welcome to Expounded Universe Special Edition 2, Episode 2. That's Samata for you. The book, Star Wars Galaxy of Fear, Book 1, Eaten Alive, by John Whitman. The year, 1997. With your hosts, Jeff and John, let's go! Welcome back to Expounded Universe. I'm your intrepid host, Jeff, joined as always by the other guy, John. Uh, today we are discussing Galaxy of Fear Eaten Alive Limited Collector's Edition. John, I gotta tell you, I actually did find copies that aren't this collector's edition. Oh, did you? Are they cheaper? Yeah. Uh, well, no. Uh, I mean, ultimately, I, I paid $7 each for two copies of this book, uh, not counting exorbitant used book short store shipping. Uh I, I don't know what the SKU prices on them were originally. Yeah. But there are copies out there that are the exact same book. They just don't have the hollow etched cover. Yeah. But are they cheaper? I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I could go find out right now. Hang on just a second. Why don't you mug for the camera for a second while I do some pointless Googling? <laughs> well, it turns out the limited collector's edition original uh, MSRP was four ninety nine US, six ninety nine Canadian. So, okay. Originally, I guess we uh, were paying more than you would have when you had got it originally. Though I suppose that makes sense because it is a collector's item. So yeah, yeah, it's only going to go up in value. Although, from what I gather, it looks as though the full collection non-collector's edition is retailing for like. 180 bucks for seven books. Wowzers. That is... Yeah. That's some dollars right there, my man. So it might be a thing where they did a second printing and called it a collector's edition, but actually way overprinted on the second printing. I mean, it's possible. That is a thing that people do. Yeah, I know that happens in comics from time to time, right? Where they, like, do a reprint with a hollow cover with a Venom on it or whatever, and no one gives a shit. Yeah, I mean, I think... we brought this up in the first episode but i definitely have in my comics collection at least a dozen or more of those like ooh, special super cool hollow foil cover get it now limited edition and there were like just a bajillion of them made and they are worth nothing I, 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 we did talk about that for sure. We talked about the concept of the collector's edition just in general, because one of my favorite things is when things count themselves as collector's editions, even though there's only one of them in a series. Hmm. And anytime you buy them, you already have all of them. So you've already done all the collecting. Yeah. Uh, even better for me is when there's only like 10 of a card that exists, they're sold in a pack of 10 and they are called trading cards as if you may wish to trade, you know, if you're like, well, I'm really more of a Boba Fett guy, so I would like all ten of these to be Boba Fetts, and therefore I'm going to consistently trade away non-Boba Fetts into Boba Fetts until I have ten Boba Fetts. And tennis shoes? I'm not playing tennis. What is this? <laughs> okay, so... And you drive on a parkway. <laughs> God damn it. That reminds me of some exceedingly terrible memes I saw today that were, like, poorly translated. Mm-hmm. And there was there was a Garfield one that was like that. It was like, why do they call it oven when you cold food hot the put when take out the food hot cold from oven? 
I've seen that one before. I love it. <laughs> so. The best is trying to figure out, okay, what <laughs> what was this? I mean, I kind of get it. Like, why do you call it an oven when really you take the food out or something? I But, but uh, man, it's much better poorly, poorly translated. Yeah, it's good stuff. It is very good stuff. Speaking of good stuff, let's crack into chapter five of Eaten Alive. Uh, as always, every one of these chapters ends on a dire cliffhanger where it's definitely for sure that this time Zack and Tash are going to die. Mm. And, and then it always turns out that it was nothing. Uh, this time, at least it isn't nothing. Uh, they I have mean, been grabbed. Yeah, I was going to say, honestly, the fact that this at least doesn't say like, and then the blaster was a water pistol and just completely undercut was nice. I mean, granted, the, given the previous chapter having the and then someone put flowers around her neck being a uh, a reveal for why a horror ending happened was kind of yeah, rough. I was like, oh, at least you paid this off. But like, this time, no, they're actually being held up against walls nah, at gunpoint. Really. And uh, everybody in the group is being held at gunpoint from the from the two kids to even DV the droid. But not Mammon Hool, not old Uncle Mammon. I'm sorry, Uncle Hool. We don't know his first name yet. <laughs> Quit it. Quit spoiling things. Apparently a point of contention in the book. I would not have expected that. I mean, granted, his name is Mammon. That's kind of kind of telling. Well, I mean, it'd be like if you found out that a character's name was like, oh, it's my old uncle Jimmy, Jimmy Beelzebub. And you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, of course he's trustworthy. He's just great uncle evil, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Your name is... Uh, yeah, it's Penis Flasher. That's my full legal name. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and yes, I would like to show you mine. I come from okay. a, a proud line of Nuss Flashers. <laughs> First penis in the line. Okay, so they're being held at gunpoint by what are called gank killers, which I swear we've talked about before. I feel like we haven't. I think there might have been a bonus content episode that mentioned them or something, but effectively, the book describes the gank as a big kind of rectangular, squarish, half-robot kind of alien monster that's big and mean and dumb, and ultimately, it's just sort of another Gamorrean. I mean, it was like, what is this? A square yellow guy. And you're like, okay, sure. Yeah, sure. Square yellow guys are, of course, one of the major scourges of Star Wars. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> they gotta be cool, but instead they're squares. <laughs> they were cool, it'd be round yellow guys, like Pac-Mans. <laughs> Pac-Mans across the stars, they'd be called. I do like that the very beginning of the chapter is just, the hand and arm that held the blaster were almost as big as Tash. And the body they were attached to was even bigger, like as if there was just going to be a giant arm with a really tiny body attached to it. <laughs> I do appreciate that that concept, yeah. By the way, John, is the plural of Pac-Man Pac-Man or Pac-Mans? Uh, I believe it is Pac-Men. Oh, Pac-Men. Uh, it makes sense. So we, we're saying it's definitely not Pac-Man then. No. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, so yeah, ganks are big yellow meanies, whatever. Uh, yes. And they are after my blue submarine. 
<laughs> Meanwhile, we also get to meet, uh, I guess Zach and Tash have never seen one before, a hut. Well, yeah, because we have to get like a full paragraph describing a hut before they go, oh, yeah, by the way, it's a hut. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Zach is our, our viewpoint character for this sequence, and he's like, it's some sort of huge, gross worm with a gashy slit for a mouth, and it's all kinds of nasty and disgusting and drooly and and stanky and definitely a hut. But it's a hut. <laughs> <laughs> it's got pudgy arms and a fat body and a stinky butt that smells like poop. There's a Kowakian lizard monkey on it. I know what those are. <laughs> Not a baby. Uh, and then, of course, we find out that it is Samata the Hut. Uh, what's Samata the Hut with you? Uh, probably the fact that he's the stinky little worm man is the Samata. <laughs> yeah, Samata the Hut is our erstwhile antagonist, I guess. Um, he is here to threaten Hool. Because he wants Hool to work for him, because Hool is a shapeshifter, which would make him a good assassin. And I get I it. would say, I mean, I kind of understand that, but I would feel like the number one quality for your average assassin is wants to be an assassin. And might be okay at it. Because it seems <laughs> like, you know, Smata's like, ah, oh, you got shape-changing abilities, you'll be my new assassin, like... A permanent position, not just I need you to go kill one guy. And I'm right. like, you know, you feel like maybe you could pressure someone into killing someone. Like sure, if you had a bunch them. of like, yeah, hostages or blackmail or whatever, you could probably get them to kill one guy. But if you're like, be my permanent assassin, I'm like, yeah, but if you're picking someone that doesn't normally do this or is trained to, you're just like, hey, try and kill someone and probably fail. Yeah, exactly. I mean, sure, the guy can change shape, but that doesn't mean he's any good at killing. Yeah, I mean, I mean also, granted, it's not like uh, we did bonus content on this uh, sort of topic the other day. Shido can't turn into specific other people. Yeah, they could just sort of assume generic forms. And I think they're one of the ones that can't do, I mean... You're you're talking about we your your uh, special edition wasn't on Shido. It was on that other reptilian species, right? The one the Claudites. With the, Claudites, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But, but Shido, when I was looking up the Shido. It was just like, yeah, they can shape change into whatever, but they're not like perfect mystique levels. Right. Exactly. I mean, granted, that doesn't really matter if you're just trying to murder people. I, honestly, the whole you can turn into whatever you'd be the perfect assassin thing could easily be replaced with like, you're pretty good with a sniper rifle. You'll make a fine assassin. Yeah, I don't, it would be one thing if you could turn into specific people. Cause then you're like, Oh, this is how you're going to get close to a certain person. Or, you know, I can get you into certain places where you normally wouldn't be able to, cause you're going to look like whatever. But if all you can do is sort of, like, oh, I can look like a Wookiee, but I can't look like a specific Wookiee. Then who gives a shit? <laughs> well, in that case, it's pretty much everybody in the galaxy but Wookiees. I mean, no one's treating them with any kind of respect. Wookiees are the thing it's okay to be racist against in Star Wars. Yeah, I don't know if you knew that. Wookiees <laughs> get no respect. They get no respect at all. <laughs> uh, so... Obviously, Hool is trying to turn Smata down. He's like, I've told you before, I'm not going to kill people for you. So we already know there's an established relationship between the two of them. 
And of course, because Zach and Tash are, are rinky dink kids, they're just like, yeah, our uncle Hool's not a murderer or a bad guy or cool or anything. He's just our crappy uncle. Oh, and he just goes on <laughs> weird exploration adventures and doesn't tell us what he's doing. He's not interesting. Yeah. And then Smata's like, whoa, you guys don't know your uncle at all, do you? He has all kinds of cool secrets. <laughs> He's got a history to him. There's a whole bunch of history about him you don't know. It's fascinating, but I won't go into it now. Plus, there's cool playboys in his closet. Ah, I do like, in <laughs> cool my mind, ones. how quickly Smata decided to do this course of action. Because I know, they've only been in the restaurant for, they haven't even ordered food yet. No, they, like, the book basically has them walk in the door and then immediately get, like, bum-rushed and have a gun pointed to their heads. Which means Smata had to, like, see Hool walk in and just be like, get him! Yeah, yeah, there's there's no room for, no thought process, there's no, like, huh, I wonder what Hool's doing in here. Anyway... I should probably go see if he wants to be my assassin again. It was, it was just like, <laughs> like they expected him. Oh yeah. And it's weird because when they're talking, they're like, oh, it's lucky you happened to be here at the same time I was because I'm hiding out from some criminals I pissed off and now I need an assassin. Yeah. They have a brief conversation where Hool is pressing Smada on what the fuck he wants. And Smada's like, yeah, I'm here on this pointless planet because it's off the grid. There's some major gang violence going on on my planet right now, and it's best I'm not there. Hmm. But anyway, I do need an assassin for some stuff. Yeah, that's odd. I feel like if you're on the run from an entire criminal organization, an assassin is probably not really going to be high on my list of needs. Like, in Maslow's hierarchy, an assassin is not towards the bottom. Yeah, but Maslow wasn't a hut. If you had a... If <laughs> Maslow you had like a the Hutt's hierarchy of needs. <laughs> if you had a job of the Hutt's hierarchy of needs, it'd be very different than Maslow. Oh, uh, man, I'm really like... liking the idea of Maslow the Hut now, though. <laughs> Unaguta shelter? <laughs> Love it. <laughs> there it is. There's the joke. There's send tweet. <laughs> uh, okay. So, you know, ultimately they're kind of at a standoff because Hool's not going to budge on being an assassin. The kids are wriggling and trying to get out of the gang cans and so on. And then all who, who would you guess, but a bunch of people show up to help. And I think that's a chapter break. No, no, it isn't. Okay, great. Then instead just, a person out of the crowd steps out and he's like, I've got a problem with what you're doing. And then a woman steps out. I also have a problem with it. And then a blonde guy steps out and he's got a lightsaber and he's like, I also have a problem with the thing that you are doing, just like these other two did. And then, and then, the then first guy was like, also this Wookiee. Also, this Wookiee's got a problem. And these two droids, you know, <laughs> you know what? And Lando's here, too. Why not? <laughs> if he's into it. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> uh, God bless them. I, I'm amazed that they were just like, hey, we're going to have a real quick, like, one chapter cameo of the main cast. Just so you know it's Star Wars. Yup. So here comes Han and Leia and Luke and Chewie and the droids. 
Uh, yeah. And although I got to point- imagine, like, what was Smata thinking? Like, this is a sort of backwater planet where you figure either, you know, half the people are going to be colonists or whatever, and the other half are going to be, you know, ne'er-do-wells. If you start pulling guns and being like, ah, I'm wanted and I need an assassin, just yelling this shit out loud, like someone's going to go, hey, buddy, nah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're in, they're in the don't go in. It's a, it's a hive of 'er ne'er-do-wells and malcontents and folk of ill repute. In the moment, some guy's like, I need an assassin for a job. You know, there's. Remember how the Mos Eisley Cantina was like three quarters information brokers and like one tenth of vampires? Yeah. I mean, ultimately, this cantina's got to be the same kind of shit, right? There's going to be some schist of venom on the corner who's like, ah, yes, as a werewolf, I'll bark that information down later and sell it to an empire man I know. I mean, or the other thing is, maybe there's someone else who would like to be an assassin for you that you don't need to constantly threaten. Uh, I can also change shape. Shut up, Claudite. I'm here for a Shido. <laughs> also, you gotta wonder if you're like, ooh, I want this Shido because, you know, he can change shape and be real sneaky. Why, he could kill someone without anyone even knowing he was there to begin with. Anyway, I'll just send him off on a mission and uh, trust I won't be murdered. <laughs> I mean, I assume the plan was that once he agreed to do the job, he'd just keep the, or Smato would just keep the kids. Yeah, but then he'd be like, ah, yes, now my assassin is off on a job. Ha, huh, what is this Kowakian monkey lizard doing? Oh, no, I'm dead. <laughs> uh, okay, fair enough. Shido are not a very reliable person to hire to murder for you in matters of duress. Yeah, <laughs> like, not really the best. All right, definitely. Definitely don't come back in here looking like something else and murder me. Uh, yep, I won't. Definitely not. I'm definitely not going to murder your gank or whatever and then take his hat and come back in and murder you. Yeah, okay, so uh, just so we're clear, obviously Tash is extremely excited to see a lightsaber. She's like, oh no, a Jedi Knight. I've dreamed of this moment. Mm, mm, mm. Why, that's a more elegant weapon. <laughs> uh so the the three of them or four of them because i keep forgetting chewbacca's there you oh. know what the six of them because r2d2 and c3po are there managed to sort of cow smata into leaving the room yeah and you know smata's kind of pissed because he's like oh you may have had friends this time but they won't be here forever i'll see you again who <laughs> Them Duke boys sure got away with it this time. God. Just how... How ridiculously stupid do you have to be to continue to do this out loud in the middle of everyone, broad daylight in the most crowded place in town? (laughs) Well, I mean, Grant, assumedly it's because he's got them ganks, so who's going to go up against him, right? Oh, yeah, well, you know, they're gank killers. Yeah, that's what ganks are generally known as, is gank killers. Uh, I, <laughs> I assume the whole species is called gank killers because of their proclivity to be a thug species? I mean, it's... Like, the book just says that they are 
ganks and then gank killers? Yeah, maybe so, there's a I type mean, maybe, of them that are gank killers. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe like a gank killer is a specific type of gank, like the elite ones, so they're a different color than the other ganks when you go to fight them. I am pleased to learn that if you Google gank killer, it's not just people complaining about cheapness in Street Fighter games, but actually you do get these things. Oh, really? I was going to assume it was all going to be like fucking MOBA League of Legends shit. Yeah, exactly. That's what oh, I thought. Some but guy no, came it, out of the jungle and gank killed me. They come up right away. And here's here's an interesting thing. All the art of these things is not being none of them especially broad. They pretty much are just humans in size and shape uh, with robot heads. Yeah, that's weird, because the way that they're described here, they're like, oh, yeah, they're huge and square and yellow. And I'm like, I can't find any of that shit anywhere. Yeah, I mean, maybe one of us can do this for the bonus content, but just as a little uh, little taste of that, ganks are hairy and powerful under the armor. And I, <laughs> I gotta tell you, same. Ha <laughs> <laughs> uh, Very hairy, not especially powerful. <laughs> Powerfully hairy, though. And no, ganks as a species are also just known as gank killers. Great. All right, well, anyway... Uh, after they get run off, we get to finally have some introductions between Hool and the kids and the original stars of the films. Yes, and this, I'm not sure when this would be taking place, because Luke isn't considering himself a, like, an actual Jedi yet. And we still have the Empire around, so it can't be, like, post-third movie. No, we actually know exactly when this takes place, because, yeah, like you said, Vader's still stomping around uh, or in the, uh, in the intro. So we know that Vader's kicking around. These books take place between 0 and 1 ABY. Okay. Uh, so I, the, they might even, uh, they're post-Battle of Yavin here. Okay. Because I was like, I know that... Alderaan has been destroyed, but the second Death Star has not, so we're somewhere yeah, in between yeah. there. <clears throat> we are exactly there. So we're probably, and given that, that Han is here, that means we're, we're pre-Empire Strikes Back as well. Yes, okay. Mm -hmm. So this is this is happening uh, be, right, be, after Episode 4, before Episode 5. Okay. And there we go. it's interesting because they're here for... No reason. They're like, oh, we're here for uh, research. I'm like, shouldn't you be on Hoth? Don't you have a place to go or be or do or something? What do you well, we're just here to do research, all of you. Really? Come on. <laughs> we we got paid 50 bucks to do this appearance. <laughs> Lu Lucas said we had to. Uh, And, you know. I like, this is my, my favorite thing about all of this, though, is the point where they're introducing themselves and they're trying to be a little cagey about their names, obviously, because they're like, you know, Rebel Alliance uh, criminals and what have you. But the kids are just like, holy shit, that's Princess motherfucking Leia. And and she's like, how do you know that? How would you possibly know that? And they're like, we're Alderanian. You're exceptionally famous. <laughs> like, you know, even if Alderaan hadn't exploded and you were one of the few remaining survivors, you'd still be pretty famous, at least to us. Yeah, I mean, this is like, well, our planet got blown up and everyone we ever knew and 
and liked his dad, and we have to spend our time hanging around with this weird, shape-changing, mean guy, and holy shit, the the princess of our fucking planet. Yeah, it would, I mean, she's a princess. It's not like she was the princess of the planet. I'm not even sure, uh, officially, what Princess Leia is the princess of. Uh, I assume whatever her house was, because there's like a lot of Alderanian noble houses. No, I know. I mean, I've also played the the MMO, but keep in mind that that was set like 4,500 years before the Leia timeline. Yes, but also keep in mind nothing changes in Star Wars. (laughs) That is true. But also keep in mind there's only one biome per planet on Star Wars, and that means if she's a princess, she's just the princess. (laughs) No, what that means is if she's a princess, everyone from Alderaan is a princess. I think she's the princess of the House of Organa, specifically. I mean... There you yeah. go. She's, but she is technically the heir to the Alteranian monarchy. Like she is, potent, she isn't currently in charge, or when the planet is destroyed, she isn't in charge of it or anything. But she is like in line. No, it'd be like if, you know, I don't know, like England blew up, and you were like, "Hey, wait a minute, that that's Princess Diana." Like you go, "Oh yeah, no, it's fine." <laughs> Like I must be on crazy Blackwards planet because England blew up instead of you. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, the paparazzi followed famously. England around <laughs> until, it, until it crashed in a tunnel. Yeah. And the paparazzi, no, it, it, of course, were sent by the queen to kill England. And, and actually, in, in all actuality, uh, Princess Leia was second in, or first in line to become the queen of Alderaan, like the whole last planet. Yeah. Her mother, Breha Organa, was the queen of Alderaan. Yeah. So the fact mother. that, you know, Leia's like, Shh, how do you know me? I'm like, come on. How do people not know you when you walk around places? I mean, maybe if she had a big comical fake mustache on. <laughs> She's got one of those, like, glasses and fake nose and mustache combos. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm a no Princess Leia Organa. It's me, a <laughs> Luigi. I'm a simple maker of a pizza pies. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, they they know her immediately. And, and, and you know, when they're like, hey, we're Alderanian, she softens a little bit. But... There's all three of them are still like, hey, guys, you got to stop yelling shit about us because, you know, we're important secret mission type people. Well, yeah, Zach's Zach like, basically <laughs> goes, oh, shit, you're the rebellion. And he's they're like, oh, my God, will you kids shut the fuck up? <laughs> this is the worst. Did Alderaan when Alderaan blew up, did your riddle and go with it? Shut the hell up. Ouch. Oof. Ouch. Owie. <laughs> Spoken as someone who was on Ritalin for a long time, and then shit that they give you when Ritalin doesn't work anymore. Oh, yeah, the the group of them then just sort of chill together. Like, they get some food, they hang out, and so we get some bits where it's like, oh, you know, Zach's the cool skate skimboarder guy, and so, you know, he's obviously going to gravitate towards Han Solo, but... You know, Tash is all about the Force, so she's all interested in Luke, and <laughs> 3PO keeps talking to <laughs> DV, and DV's like, will you please just, just please stop, for the love of God. Yeah, so 3PO's just listing a litany of complaints that took place over the course of the first movie to DV, who 
theoretically should pretty much just be an anthropology C-3PO. But yes. he's been he's been programmed to be a real douchebag about it. So when three people just like, oh, and then and then we 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 were captured by Jawas, and then I I must tell you we were not allowed in a bar. And he's like, and, please uh, tell me that what happened next was you were turned off. No, 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 no. never, uh, not even once. <laughs> all right, well. <laughs> And then we had to get on board the Millennium Falcon. Oh, by the way, that's one of my favorite things in this chapter is the point where they're in their conversation uh, between Hul and Han. Uh, Hul was like, yeah, we were like 15 minutes off course and the planet was in the wrong spot and it kind of smashed into us and our ship's all fucked up. And Han's like, huh, the same thing happened to us when we flew in on my ship, the Millennium Falcon. And I was like, "That's great. I'm glad that you're going ahead and give us giving us the name. Thank you." Uh, yep. Just you know, why not? Might as well push the brand. Yeah. So you know, I do like that. They're still even after they're like, "Oh yeah, no, the exact same thing that happened to us happened to someone else." But we're still gonna push the story that it was Tasha's fault and she was messing with stuff. I know, poor Tash is getting really badly gaslit right here, where they're like, yeah, the planet's definitely weirdly off course, and there's something mysterious and crazy going on, but uh, I don't think it's entirely that, because someone was fucking around in our cockpit. Uh, yeah, just just a real piece of shit on their part. Yeah, luckily, uh, Luke is here to give Tash the standard Luke talks to someone who's a nascent Jedi in one of these books type talk. <laughs> you know, sometimes mm. I have these feelings. Well, a friend of mm. mine once told me, you should listen to those feelings. Mm. You're saying you have feelings and urges? Well, that's interesting, because I have a phone number I'm going to give you in five years. <laughs> Oof, ouch, owie. <laughs> Hey, at least he was trying to keep it legal. <laughs> no, I mean that is uh, not an at least. Wait, what? No, I mean, uh, granted, I have no idea what the age of consent is on Devouran. I mean, I assume they don't have that because they're just evil murder people, we assume. <laughs> That's a horrible thing to assume about evil murder people. Hmm. How dare you, sir? How dare you? All right. Well, anyway, they agree to kind of help them fix the light runner, which is a uh, whole ship. And so after a long conversation and a part where Zach decides to try the spiders and bug sauce and turns out he likes them. Yeah. They're like he eats as much as Chewbacca. Everything's great and nothing could go wrong. But then. Somebody screams. <laughs> That's kind of weak as far as these climax chapter or chapter climaxes go. Yeah, like, and then someone outside went ah. <laughs> oh, spooky! Ah, they it saw a spider, and it wasn't in sauce. <laughs> so they all go outside in the next chapter, and it's just Bebo that that crazy homeless dude we met like three chapters ago who when he was getting tossed out of the don't go in he's screaming because his friend has vanished right behind him yeah last time uh he said oh i'm gonna go 
get my friend because no one believes me, but they'll believe my friend if I bring her. And now he is outside the don't go in just screaming. She's gone. Oh no, she was here. Then she vanished. Oh, my friend Lonnie. Oh no. (laughs) And everybody comes running out of the inn, but because it is Bebo, they're just going to yell at him and make fun of him. We're like, oh, Bebo, how's that belly button? Uh, you oh, go to belly you... button beach lately? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, are you making Susan Boynton references right now? Because that that should be coming from me, and even then, no one's going to get it. <laughs> well, if you don't know that Bebo is just the small hippo way of saying belly button, then I don't know what to tell you. It's Sandra Boyden. I apologize for saying Susan earlier. And all, you know, it's funny. I tried to get my daughter into those. We have like three or four of the Sandra Boyden books. She has zero interest. Yeah. I mean, I know so. the, uh, the like red shoes, green shoes, yellow shoes, oops book, whatever the hell that mm-hmm. one is called. Yeah. I, the wrong. No, I, I don't know what it's called either. Yeah. I have no idea what it's called, but it's just, this turkey can't put on clothes. The book. <laughs> yeah, I, we have that. She doesn't care about it. Uh, she seems to gravitate heavily towards, like, exceedingly elderly books about about uh, fairy tales. <laughs> An exceedingly elderly book about a bridge. <laughs> yeah, yes, a 1615 copy of Libericus Bridgington. Yes, my daughter will come into the room and say, Oh, father, would you grace me with a chapter from the book about bridges? Father, shall we have another chapter of the bridge book? And then I have to go to the lectern and dust off the bridge book and use the big stick that turns the pages. (laughs) I shall wait for you by the fire in the reading room, father. I certainly hope this chapter is also about a bridge. (laughs) Please bring me a sippy cup of brandy. (laughs) Apple, please. (laughs) Ah, yeah. Uh. So, in any event, Bebo's outside freaking out, and, uh, oh boy, is it ever a spooky thing that just happened. He's sure that someone who is right behind him has disappeared, and just as the crescendo is rising and everybody making fun of him and trying to get rid of him, our good friend, the Enzine Chewed, comes walking back into into the frame. Yeah, and Tash is basically the only person, even among the Ridge Trilogy folk, who's like, no, this this person should probably, we should help him, like, and not just laugh at him. Like, yeah, that is true. Let's talk to this guy. And Chewed is just, oh, I'm sorry. This man is very crazy. Please pay no attention to him. Yeah. Chute pops out and he's like, oh, no, it's just old Bebo. He's the person who was on board that ship I talked about earlier. The one survivor. He was also the captain. And wouldn't you know it? He is certainly absolutely nonsense bonkers. Oh, yes. The entire crew of the misanthrope, which, man, what a name for a ship. Which I yeah. guess would be the great if it, was, yeah. if it was piloted entirely by non-humans. They're like, oh yeah, this is the We Hate Humans ship. <laughs> I guess that's true, yeah. Uh, I mean, ultimately, doesn't misanthrope not mean I hate humans, but rather I hate human-shaped things? 
Uh, I mean, if you wanted to break it down, but I guess it would really more depend on connotation or denotation. That's true. I mean, ultimately, the misanthrope is an extremely bad name for a ship, unless I guess they're huge fans of, like, French literature. I guess. Then it'd be named after that book, the, the you know, the misanthrope, and, and it would all add up. It, it's all coming together. Yes. <laughs> it was part of a fleet, don't you know, with, I don't know, other French literary classics, uh, Pantagruel and... Uh, Bovary. I don't know. There's another one. Thank you, John. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you. Thank you. And of course, the <laughs> USS Balzac. <laughs> uh, we recently had it polished, you know. <sighs> okay, so uh, they get... The uh, Chewed comes out and he's like, oh, he's quite crazy. Now, what did you say happened? My friend Lonnie, he, she was right here behind me and then she just vanished. Ah, well, look behind you. How many sets of footprints do you see? <laughs> no, it was then that I carried her. <laughs> did I forget to mention that? I was carrying her. <laughs> but no, apparently whatever happened to her that caused her to disappear also swallowed up any trace of her having been there. Her footprints are also gone. Yeah. And his are there. So it's not like there was a wind that blew the prints away or anything like that, because you can clearly see Bebo's and that's the only pair of footprints in the dirt. <laughs> yeah. So now everybody thinks that poor Bebo is crazy, crazy, crazy. And as our group gets ready to walk on past him and get back to the two ships to start some repairs, uh, Tash is like, hey, I'm really sorry about what just happened. And he's like, it doesn't matter. All of us are going to die. You're going to die soon. We're all going to die down here. <laughs> well, then I'm taking them back. I'm taking them all back. I'm taking them uh, okay. all back. So what happens next, John? Well, now they're going to go back to the Light Runner, and Han and Chewie are going to be like, all right, we'll help you make sure that your ship can actually get off the ground. And, yeah, uh, he, he comes out and says some generic mechanic-style bullshit about it. He's like, you know, oh, your spanners are all hydro-turgenated. Yeah, and he's like, oh, well, you know... I'll go ahead and fix you up, but it won't be as good as the Falcon over there. And Zach's just like, what? That's your ship? I thought that was a garbage scow. Oh, burn. Oh. oh, no. It's a reference to how everyone thinks the Falcon is an ugly spaceship. Oh. <laughs> I wanted Han to be like, yeah, we did dress it up like a garbage scow so we could land here incommunicado. That's, uh, that's why we put garbage all over it. We want it to be, you know inconspicuous and not have people yell out in the middle of a cantina that we are part of the rebellion <laughs> you little dingus so you've heard of princess leia but not the ship that destroyed the death star huh yeah little moron <laughs> but one of the two one of the two ships uh but yeah at that point for some reason tash is like i gotta get on the hollow net so I can look up what's going on with Bebo, because I just can't let it go. Yeah, he's completely, or excuse, she, excuse me, is obsessed with figuring out what's going on with Bebo. And, you know, I don't blame her. There's a mystery afoot. Oh, and yeah. Something, something don't smell right. <laughs> so Luke's like, oh, I can tell that you're still having feelings. 
you should trust your feelings. Why don't you come with me over to the Millennium Falcon? Just you and me. Let's go over there and talk about your feelings. Hey, don't tell Hul where you're going. Uh, but no, really, he's just going to let her use the internet. Yeah. I Man, I really love the hollow net because it's basically like we decided that this was what the internet was going to be like for all of star Wars, but we did it in 1997 when we didn't really know what the internet was going to be like. So it's all just a search engine that brings up literally everything. Yeah. It's basically just a big Wikipedia as the entire internet of star Wars. There's no email or anything like that. No, the hollow, the weird thing to me is she's like, okay, I'm going to look up misanthrope and there's 6,000 hits. All right. Sure. I like that that's all there is. In a galaxy with like 300 quadrillion hectillion people in it, there are 600 things called the misanthrope. But then she's like, all right, let me narrow it down to misanthrope, devouring, crash. It's like, okay, there's two. One is mm-hmm. the official imperial thing that's like, oh yeah, uh, this ship crashed, everyone but the captain died. And uh, we're still on the lookout for him. So if you see Bebo somewhere, give him a good poke and he'll go. Hee-hee! Yeah, they're they're here for information. And we actually got a little bit of that in the previous encounter with Bebo where Chewed was like, oh, yeah, technically the Empire wants him for questioning, but we're really nice. So we're just letting him live quietly here yeah, rather than turn him back, over to the Empire. If he was going to go back to the Empire, they'd be like, oh, it was your fault. This ship crashed and killed everyone. You're going to jail, but we don't really care, so he can just live here. Yeah. Now, I'm sure the actual reason is because if the Empire catches wind of the planet moving around and blowing up ships, they'll send send down some extra questions and so on that these Enzine don't want. Hmm. In any event, uh, the basic report's pretty straightforward, but there's a second report on the topic that's all done up with Imperial Code. Yeah, which I was like, Really? I can just Google up secret Imperial documents? Neat. Sure, but don't worry. They're in code. (laughs) And And she's like, oh, don't worry. I know this. Yeah, looks like, hey, that looks like it's an Imperially coded transmission. You should leave that alone because they will track you with the skip tracer. And she's like, oh, don't worry about it. You're an old man and I'm a young kid, so I know what's best. This is Linux. I know this system. So she presses some buttons or whatever, and instead of it working, uh, she gets caught immediately. Yeah, now there is a uh, tracer box connected to the uh, hollow net on the Falcon, and it starts going off because it's like, oh, someone's trying to trace you now that you've actually, you know, attempted to open up this encrypted message. And she just freaks out and is like, oh, what the fuck am I going to do? So she starts typing as fast as she can to try and stop the problem. And then Luke sidles in next to her. Now both of them are typing as fast as they can on one <laughs> keyboard because they've got to stop this hacker from successfully hacking the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. And they're both using the same keyboard to just hack and hack and hack as fast as they can. And then the screen goes black because Han unplugs it because he's the avuncular wise one. <laughs> God, I love that scene so fucking much. There is nothing I love better than what was that? NCIS? Yeah, that's that's NCIS. Oh, man. Or they're like, oh, no, we've got to hack faster. You take the left half of the keyboard and I'll take the right half of the keyboard. That makes sense. And then as if that wasn't stupid enough about computers, it cuts to the old man, like audience insert dude who just goes, you morons, you can just unplug a computer and then it can't be hacked. 
<laughs> and it's like, they weren't hacking the computer, you dipshit. They were hacking the server. Uh, it's so good. Everything about that scene is the best. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in any event, nothing really comes of this in this chapter. Uh, after they turn off the skip tracer, so don't worry, they can't track us anymore. She just is like, hey, can I ask you questions about being a Jedi? And he's like, oh, oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'm sure we'll meet again someday and then we'll have a talk or something. But uh, it's time to be hitting the old dusty trail. And, and she's like, how are you sure we're going to meet again? There's the, it, the universe is absolutely uncomprehensibly vast. Eh, he's like, eh, eh. <laughs> that's a good point but i don't have to listen to kids anyway bye <laughs> uh, i'm off to go to tashi station and get some power converters whenever i want because my uncle my uncle unlike your crappy uncle is dead <laughs> uh so uh, yes the millennium falcon takes off and I assume that's going to be the last we see of them. Uh, in this book, yes. Well, yes. But uh, I, think, I think they may show up again. There's seven books to, or six books more to go. Yeah, I mean, I know Vader shows up a couple times more throughout these books. Yeah, well, I think there's an overarching Vader plot at play here. Mm. Uh, in any event, they've they've managed to fix the ship enough that it can go somewhere, but that's as far as they go. Uh, at this point, it's time for them to go spend the night with Chewed in his Enzine house. Yes, it's late, and old Uncle Hool's got some business to take care of. He's got to see a man about a horse. So you yeah. kids, you stay with the obviously evil alien, and uh, I'll be back whenever. Yep, yep. So Hool abandons them. Uh, Chude brings them in and just spends like hours just randomly talking about how great the planet is. He's like, ah, oh, you ever seen Devourin' before? The best. We got waterfalls. We got dirt. We got eating people. <laughs> we, Wait a minute. What did I we, say? Scratch that. <laughs> we got plants. We got bath uh, meat tenderizer and buttermilk baths. Why don't you try one? Uh, I got a nice brine bath over here if you could soak for about 12 hours. Please, please, you're my welcome guest. Enter into my home for for dinner tonight. We're having bread cubes and raisins. <laughs> Have some celery with it. <laughs> hey, do you guys just like eating big handfuls of sage? <laughs> Because uh, I sure do. I mean, Jeff's daughter. We eat people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She would be, of course, extremely delicious because she is a tiny and succulent baby. Indeed. Uh, okay, well, <laughs> he he basically regales them with boring stories about how great Devour Anne is for a while. Then he's like, all right, I have determined that it is your bedtime. Now go. Oh, and by the way, it is important to note that he lives in a house with a dirt floor. Uh, because as he says, the Enzine have certain traditions that they like to be close to the, the, uh, planet. Yes. We want to keep in touch with the planet that is our home. Yeah. The, uh, the odds of the Enzine not even really being a species, but just like polyps of the planet in general, uh, uh seem to be rising. Uh, so, you know, Tash and Zach are going to go to sleep, but of course Tash is like, I can't shake this feeling. I just... 
no matter where I go, it always feels like somebody's watching me. <laughs> I can't fight this feeling anymore. <laughs> I've honestly forgotten what I started fighting for. Uh, uh, yeah, so she's having trouble falling asleep. Uh, Zach falls asleep easily, but she's lying awake at night, tossing and turning. And that's when she hears a noise. Oh, no, not a noise. Mm hmm. And of course, it's because it's a young adult children's terror book. You've It's got to be the most obvious stupid noise. Slurp, slurp. Slurp, slurp, said the other room. Hmm. Let me listen more closely. Slurp, slurp, you say. I think a dog is drinking from a water dish. <laughs> Wait a yeah, minute. No, just... that's slurp, slurp. <laughs> what goes slurp, slurp? Oh, maybe uh, maybe Barney is over there drinking beer directly out of the tap. What is happening? Slurp, slurp. Uh, it just keeps happening. So eventually she gets up and goes to investigate the sound of the slurp, slurps. Yes, she's creeping around the house. Oh, no, she's... She's got that feeling again. She goes to turn the corner. Slurp. Stop. Oh, no. Yep, the, the slurping slurp. stopped. <laughs> I was just getting into it. <laughs> and then well, she peeks sure around the corner and no one's there. Oh, nothing. Nothing is there. And then from behind her comes a voice. May I help you? Ah, chapter skip. No. It, it's still it's just, just chewed. Well, it's still, it's just Chude. It's just Chude that scares her. So Chude's like, oh, hello. What are you doing up and tw and what randomly wandering around my house late at night looking for cookbooks? Uh, I heard something. Yes, well, stray animals, no doubt. You know, the slurp slurp bird of devouring. <laughs> slurp slurp, they say. <laughs> it's our, that's our national bird. <laughs> ah, the slurp slurp bird. National bird. Can't kill it. Nope. Wait, do you guys even have nations? I thought you were like one of those mono planets. <gasps> oh, no more questions. <laughs> no. <laughs> Would you be better with or without a pineapple glaze? <laughs> Let me ask you, do you think you're a gravy person or no? <laughs> I'm a gravy person. <laughs> How are you? Uh, <sighs> on a scale you of one to ten, How delicious do you think you are? Since you're going to be staying with me for a while, do you have any food allergies that could affect me? <laughs> uh, okay, so, but he's like, oh, if you think it's a scary animal, I'll go outside and investigate. And she's like, uh, no, I don't want that to happen. Yes, I will. I'll go outside and investigate. You don't have to invest. I'll go outside and investigate. Good day. I've got an errand to do here late at night after you heard slurping. Peace. I have to. Don't mind if you hear some night digging. That's just the night digging owl, our our state bird. <laughs> uh, yes. So Tash is like, well, maybe I am going crazy, just like old Bebo. I should probably just chill out. There's nothing wrong. And then she opens the door to her room, and someone's leaning over Zach's bed. Oh no! And this time it actually is a horrifying event. It's not. It's not a a, a fake out because the next chapter opens and it's one of them gank killers. Yeah, the ganks are here and they're ready to get you. And one of them grabs Tash and she just 
bites his hand? Yeah, she just bites his hand and he lets go, and then she stomps on his foot for good measure, because adults, even the killer alien ones, are stupid. Yes, it's true. Man, if a... <laughs> if a kid bit my hand and then stomped on my foot, I'd be like, hey, you little shit. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the, the gank is also like, hey, you little shit, but in his own language. Because, <laughs> he, you know, he, he does chase them. Well, yes. But... But uh, Zach wakes up and the two of them go running out into the street like, oh, no, ganks are going to kill us. Help, help. Somebody help us. And then, you know, some lights come on in houses, but they don't stop to see if anyone will help them. I mean, it's probably for the best because they're out in the forest where the Enzine live and the Enzine aren't going to help them in the the way you would hope. Well, I mean, they're not quite because they straight up end up getting to the don't go in, which was in the middle of town. So it's not like this is a huge area they're in. No, I mean, the forest where the Enzian live is right next to the little town they built for planetary visitors. They make it all the way to the gates of the Don't Go In and start pandi- pounding on the doors, like demanding to be let in. But the place is locked, which is weird for an inn. Yeah, I mean, they're... this was the first time that it really, like, dawned on me that this was supposed to be like a high-tech Star Wars-y thing because they're hitting the button for open right, and right. i was like oh right yeah no it's not just like a door well given that our introduction to the place was a cowboy style saloon throwout of bebo i i i don't know if it's just me but i've been picturing saloon doors this whole time yeah no that's why is because they're like oh and then someone chucked bebo out the door and i'm like Oh, so someone grabbed him, walked him over to the door, went, oh, hold on a second, hit the open button, then picked him back up and chucked him out. Probably asked him to press the button. Hey, can oh, you get no, that? Be, yeah, just get that. My button hands are full quick. of your ass. <laughs> People keep disappearing. Yeah, of course, I'll be happy to. People keep disappearing. <laughs> what floor? Okay. There we go. Uh, glad we could work this out. <laughs> mm, good day to you as well. Uh, same same time tomorrow, perhaps we meet this evening to read the long, boring book about bridges. Yes, and then, as they're pounding on the door, they hear two sudden howls. Oh, the ganks must be furious if they're howling. Mm-hmm. That's the thing we know about ganks, is that when they get super furious, they howl. Mm-hmm. I'm kidding, we don't know that at all. Uh, and just as the doors open and people look around to see what all the commotion is about... The kids whirl around to to look at their gank pursuers, and yet they are gone. They're after us. Help! Who's after you? Why them? But no one was there. Ghost they... ganks. Oh, the ghost ganks. Uh, now I'm, I'm curious if we get a, a re reoccurrence of the footprint thing, but unfortunately, we aren't going to find out this chapter. No, I mean I assume the howls were they got at or pulled yeah, underground, planet... which is my assumption that the and Zine are like, oh, we're sort of like mole people, and that will just pull you underground. And we can Yeah, I'm sure that's what's dirt. happening. We can also pull your footprints underground. Well, I mean, they just sort of dig close to the top, so it does that whole, like, we disrupt the soil above us thing. And it yeah, just, exactly. We get rid of the footprints that way, pull you underground, and eat you. Yep, that all sta- sounds completely correct to me. They're just and- weird aliens that are smiley, but are actually... Like from Tremors, they're yeah, graboids. that's what it is. They're, they're graboids from Tremors. They're prehistoric dinosaur worms that have lived underneath Arizona all these many years. Yeah, I mean, same. <laughs> uh, 
I'm sorry to hear that. I didn't know you'd ever had to live anywhere near Arizona. Man, I had to be in Arizona for about a week once. Really? Huh. Yeah, doing construction out there. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, the the, uh, longest I spent in Arizona was like two hours once when we drove out to Yuma on a as a like joke because we but that was back before there were Sonic burgers infesting San Diego and one of my roommates was desperate to try a Sonic burger milkshake and so he drove to the nearest one which was in Yuma wowzers it was not worth it not worth the drive no there isn't a milkshake that you can get that's gonna be worth that drive (laughs) now I'm just picturing you as (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is Travolta doing that? That will better be the best fucking milkshake in the entire world routine. <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty fucking good milkshake. Don't know if it's worth a drive to Yuma, though. <laughs> uh, it was just a vanilla milkshake. How was it? You, the only way that milkshake was any good is if there was bourbon in it. <laughs> <laughs> they don't put bourbon in it or nothing? Oh, that's right. He specifically points out that they do not put bourbon in it or nothing. Yes, indeed. Yeah. God, imagine a time when $5 felt like way too high of a price for a milkshake. Right? Now it's like, oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, that seems reasonable. Everything is at least $5. Everything costs a lot, and I hate life. How much for that dollar? That'll be $5. Oh, yes. Very good. It's time for your dick flattening. (laughs) Yes, honey. Yes, honey. All right, everyone. Well, we're done for the week. That's all the Star Wars there is to print in chapters five through eight. However, there's more Star Wars to print in our bonus content. You're goddamn right, John. Folks, if you go to patreon.com slash systemastery and support us at the uh, the $2 level, you will unlock content so bonus that even we don't know what it is yet. <laughs> We don't know anything. It surprises us as much as it does you. The spirit comes over us. Uh, What we do for the Star Wars bonus content is we go to Wikipedia, we root around that that hell site to find something stupid and funny, and then we come back to tell you, the listener, all about it. Yes. Uh, We do that each, once every week, as we make more and more of these episodes. At the $2 level, you're getting... Usually it costs you four bucks a month because we only do two episodes of System Mastery a month. And in exchange, you're getting four bonus episodes of Star Wars content and two bonus episodes of of, of uh, System Mastery content. It's six bonus episodes for like four bucks. Plus, you help us. You help the show keep going. You keep Sage running around not reading yeah, get- Sandra Boynton books. <laughs> hey, she still reads other stuff. She's just way into classic Goldilocks right now just way into the classics somehow she is she has decided that goldilocks is a breakdownable portmanteau of a name because she's taken to running around calling herself sagey locks that makes perfect sense i don't know how she put it together it's it's really impressive yeah honestly that uh, is very impressive the only downside to it is and as i keep trying to to imp- impugn upon her goldilocks is the bad guy <laughs> yeah Goldilocks is the white oppressor, and you should not attempt to emulate her. Yeah, you don't want to be like Goldilocks. What you want to do is be like the bears, except that they, like, put traps around their house and shit. (laughs) Cunning traps. Yes, cunning traps. Somebody touch my spaghetti! (laughs) Yeah, that's the one. Uh, 
So once again, patreon.com slash system mastery at the $2 level to unlock this bonus content. But there is other bonus content. Yes, indeed. There's $1 level and there's $5 level content. And uh, at the $5 level, I think you're getting, what is it, like nine podcasts bonus a month? Just so much goddamn stuff. It's so stupid. much goddamn content. It's ridiculous. We, we do all the content forever. We're the best at it. It's what we do. <laughs> you think Matt Mercer works this hard? He probably does. In fact, I'm sure he works way harder than we do. <laughs> That's not true. Matt Mercer's got people. That's true. He does have people. I don't have any people. Yeah, I pretty much just people. have John. Yeah, what do you think we are? People with people? We're not the luckiest people. <laughs> no. No, we're lucky if we're able to find a few of our favorite things. <laughs> All right, everybody. I think we're just about done here for the week. So, as always, I've been Elan Sleezbagiano. And what's the matter with death sticks? Death sticks.